we going to get this thing started? Are we going to do this? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it. You know why we're going to do it? Because this, 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 this won't hurt a bit. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, before we get started with this very silly holiday edition of This Won't Hurt a Bit, we wanted to say one thing, and that is we refer a lot to Christmas in this episode, but you can substitute whichever holiday that you're enjoying, whether it be Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or Festivus or Yule or one of the other 30 or 40 different religious and semi-religious holidays that occur during this period. We hope you have fun with it. We certainly did. And we can't wait to talk to you more in the months and years ahead. So here it is, our first ever holiday episode. And it is very silly. Ah! Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Ah! Oh my God. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Festivus. Yippee-ki-yay, mother... So for the holiday season, I threw together a couple questions, and uh, I also farmed out some possible questions from my friend. His name's Dave Mason. Her name's Jess Mason. And that's Mel Herbert. We're doctors, yes. but not Dave. Not Dave. not me. <laughs> Dave's just an inquisitive mind. So hey, let's get straight into the show. Give us your questions, Dave. What if I step on a glass ornament, and I step on it on bare feet, and it goes into my foot? How do I know I should go to the ER or I should try to do self-surgery? <laughs> self-surgery every time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I could just see you donning the, the gloves and the mask and, and going at it. So I can't tell you exactly when to go to the ER. You have to use common sense there. So if it's giant, if you're bleeding to death, if you're sure there's something in there and you can't get it out, if you're at a high risk for getting infected, say you've got diabetes or you've got some vascular problems in your legs. But I think usually most of the time you kind of just know, like it's huge uh, or there's something stuck in there, then I should uh, go get somebody to see it. But I can tell you it's actually glass in the foot is actually a problem for ER docs as well. So we've got all the toys and we've got anesthetics and we've got uh, nurses and we've got these giant buildings surrounding us. But sometimes it can make grown men and women of an emergency department nature start to cry. So here's how it works. Dave comes in and says, look. There's just, there's just ornaments all over the department floor <laughs> right. and you guys are just stepping in them <laughs> no. everywhere. No, you come into the ER okay. and you say, I stepped on an ornament and I got some glass in my foot. Yeah. And Jess is your doctor and she goes, okay, let me look at it. And she can't really see anything. So she gets an x-ray and sure enough, there's a little sliver of glass in there. And then she goes, oh, I've got skills. I'm going to pull this out. And she takes her tweezers and she cleans up the area and she numbs it up for you and she starts digging around in there. And she keeps pulling on things that she thinks is the glass, but it's not. And this Uh-oh. scenario can go for a long time. <laughs> so it's actually really difficult to pull glass out of a wound blindly like that. And actually, if you're not careful, you can do more damage than good by trying to get it out. So sometimes even going to the ER doesn't work. We have to send the patient to the sort of radiology department where they can do x-rays in real time called fluoroscopy. And they can put in the little... Uh, removey device and move it around till they grab the glass and pull it out. So I guess the other thing is, what if you don't go and there is glass in there? Yeah. Will it like work itself out? Will just like, will the body just like push glass out by itself or will it just form like a little calcified cocoon around it and you'll be like (laughs) limping forever? (laughs) So a couple of things can happen with what we call these retained foreign bodies. It's a foreign body and it's retained. It's stuck in you. It can either get infected pretty quickly 
So within a few days, it gets big, red, and pussy. And sometimes, uh, like when that little basically pimple busts, sometimes the little foreign body of the piece of glass will come flying out at the same time. You're like, ah, gotcha. And you'll be fine. Sometimes, I, get- Actually, I think you would say Merry Christmas, not gotcha. <laughs> you pop out, Merry Christmas. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a Christmas bulb. It could be a Festivus bulb. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's, that's against commercialism. So there shouldn't be any bulbs anywhere. Unless you stepped on the Festivus pole. The Festivus pole. A glass it. Festivus pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. So um, it can be retained. It can get infected early. Uh, it can get infected big, and then you have to go to the emergency department again. But yes, they can be retained and stay forever. So mm. y- your body can put this sort of fibrous capsule around it like a cocoon, and it can stay there forever, and it never gives you any problems. But I want to tell you about a couple of really interesting things that can happen years later. So there's lots and lots yeah. of documented cases of people getting glass or other things stuck in them and then they sort of work themselves out of the body years later so one of my stories is that i had a gentleman 10 years ago who came in because he had this sort of lump on his shoulder and he said doc i don't know what this is it's lump and it's turning red now and i think it's getting infected and i looked at him like yeah i think it is getting infected so um i numbed up the skin and i did a little cut expecting to have some pus come out of there and i thought it was just a big pimple and uh out came a bullet what (laughs) i said what a bullet. So I asked the guy, uh, that's a bullet. What's going on? He's like, you know, I was shot in the back like over 10 years ago, 15 years ago. What? It must be oh it. Oh, my gosh. So this bullet had moved its way from his back and around and through the skin and had decided, the body had decided for some reason, I don't know, I, I, I want to get rid of this thing. And it's going to take me 20 years, but I'm going to get it done. <laughs> I'm going out the front. <laughs> I'm going out the front door. I'm not going out the back. Oh, oh. I've got another story for you. Ready? This one's pretty good. So I remember reading this on CNN. So this was about two years ago, and it was, and I just looked it up, in Hutchinson, Kansas, and it was a seven-month-old. And mum's looking at the seven-month-old, and the sort of under the jaw um, on this baby's face on one side, she noted it started to turn red. She's like, "That's weird." And then, like a day later, she sees this thing poking out of underneath the baby's jaw, and it's big and swollen Mm -hmm. and red. And uh, she's like, "What the heck is that?" So they take the baby to the pediatrician. The pediatrician's like, I don't know what that is. And starts pulling on it, pulling on it, pulling on it. And out comes a feather. What? what? This kid has this... grown into a bird. This kid is turning <laughs> into a big bird or a little bird in this case. What? And the best that they can presume is that maybe a down feather or something outside. The kid probably did what kids do, put it in their mouth and was sucking on it and gagged and probably penetrated in the back of their throat. And didn't cause an immediate infection, but over what was probably months, worked its way out through the back of the throat, out to the skin, and then started to poke out. And that's when mum saw it, and they pulled it out, and the kid did fine. So, uh, so that could have been a turkey. So another possible <laughs> yeah. holiday tie-in. Whoa. What about sticking your tongue to a frozen pole? Does it actually stick to the pole? And if it does, how do you get it off the pole? Right, right. Why is it in every Christmas movie? This is in every single Christmas is it? movie. It's in the Christmas story, right? Is it in another movie? It's in all the movies. Don't you know, question you the facts. Unless you consider 
Dumb and Dumber to be Dumb a and Dumber. Movie. That's the oh, one. Oh yeah, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Are you okay? Oh yeah. I do this all the time. Okay. <laughs> no, you you just think it's in every Christmas movie because they play a Christmas story about oh, that's, a that's billion right. times every December. <laughs> that's right. I guess I could YouTube this to find out if it actually happens. I'm thinking it does, right? You can. And what you will find is fact. Okay. People do stick their tongues to metal poles and they do freeze to the pole. Um, You could try it if you want, Dave. I'll film it for you. We can put Mm. it on YouTube. But yeah, basically what happens is you have moisture on your tongue. So you've got little droplets of water. And then if you touch it to a cold pole, so it's below freezing outside, that metal pole is an excellent conductor. And so it will cool down the water on your tongue more rapidly than your body can warm it back up. Mm. And so little ice crystals will form between your tongue and the pole and it will stick your tongue to the pole. So, yeah, and then you can you can like pull back and stretch your tongue out and stuff. And no, you like can't. Dumb and dumber. It gets oh, yeah. longer and longer. It's like yeah. no, you freakishly long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does it just tear off? Uh, if you pull hard enough, it'll tear yeah. off. <laughs> I don't recommend doing that, though. You might hurt yourself. If you pull it off, part of your tongue will stick to the pole. Um, oh. <laughs> but like then- just, t- just little, little tiny. It'll be kind of like just a, an abrasion or like a little bit of a burn or something. And then if it's like the front of your tongue, isn't it like the, where the sweet taste buds live? So <laughs> sweet food won't taste as sweet anymore? Do they grow back your taste buds? Well, it, taste buds are there. Not necessarily just sweet taste buds, but taste buds are there. And yes, they will grow back. So give it, depending on how bad the damage is to your tongue, um, how many layers are actually damaged. Yeah, it'll take about a few days or a week or so before the taste buds grow back, but you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Oh, and then you want to know how to take take your tongue off the pole the yeah, what not happens, as harmful I, way? I would imagine the entire fire department shows up first. Yep. Mm-hmm. And everyone will take out their phones and uh, take film pictures it so of you, right? YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and then what will happen? So if you pour some water, just like they do in the movie, pour some water on the tongue. It doesn't have to be hot water. It could be lukewarm. As long as it's really just above the temperature of freezing. Okay. Then it will melt those little ice crystals and you can gently remove your tongue. Okay. And there's another way to do it too, Dave. How's that? Here's the scenario. You and I are walking through the forest and there's a pole, the festival pole. Okay. And you put your tongue on it to test this and your tongue gets stuck, but there's no water around. Uh Uh-oh. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? We're not going to pull. No, we don't want to rip that skin off your tongue. That's going to hurt. We've got turkey to eat. I'm going to piss on you, Dave. I'm sorry. I've got got a whole bladder full of warm liquid and I'm going to do it for you, bro. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to pee is right that on true? that tongue of yours. I guess it, I guess it is true, huh? It could work, Yeah, huh? it, how, it, It's got to work. Yeah. I would actually try? recommend that. That's I think friendship. that's a. I will endorse that as that is a, a good technique for removing a tongue from a pole. That's friendship. If we're ever in a situation, a I will piss on your face to save you. Yeah. Save your, <laughs> save your, to save your sweet taste buds. That's right. And, I and you'll be using it. them while I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit salty. Uh it, this show is so Christmassy. I love it. It is. So it is very festive. Yeah. It's very festive. Now that I've accidentally stepped on a glass ornament, Mel has on my face to remove me from a frozen pole. I have now decided for Christmas, I will pull out the deep fryer and I will deep fry a turkey. Oh my God. Get your leg back. Or I'm half Jewish, so maybe I'm flipping my potato latkes in the fry oil. 
when some of it splashes and burns me and not like from hot air or flame like an accidental Hanukkah candle burn. I'm talking about a burn from hot oil. Is that different? And what should I do if it splashes on me and it burns me? Is is being half Jewish, half Christian increase your chance of a burn over the holidays? I think that's what you're saying. I think it does. I know I get more presents. All right. Well, I'm going to take this one, um, but we're going to go back a little bit because I'm not from this country and uh, we don't... Yeah, I know. It's surprising, isn't it? What's your accent? Northern California? What is that? uh, Berkeley? Yes. Very south of California. Um, So I had to look this up. So a turkey fryer, this is from Wikipedia, is an apparatus for deep frying a turkey. Fried Mm. turkey has been a longtime favorite in the southern United States and recently has become popular in other parts of the country because of the reduced time to cook a turkey in a deep fryer versus conventional method. So when I cook a turkey, and I just did... Well, I help my wife. She's the cook. I'm the helper. Uh, she put this big 16-pound turkey and put it in the oven. It was hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And then out came a wonderful turkey later on. Yes. But Dave, you're a cook and you actually do this. Can you explain to those ignorant people like myself, what are you doing? Where are you doing it? So then I can give you an answer to your question. Okay. Well, um, I'm heating up oil and usually the, the preferred oil is peanut oil because it has a high smoke point. So you can get it really hot before it starts to burn. You won't use olive oil or anything like that. And you pour it into a big stock pot, huge aluminum stock pot, giant, and, or big enough to fit your turkey. And then you heat the oil up to about 350, 360 degrees, something like that. And then you'd slowly drop the turkey in, slowly. You slowly, you don't just throw it in there. Don't chuck it in. Okay. Yeah, no, don't chuck it in. No slam dunks, no three-pointers. Just slowly... <laughs> Dip it in, let it sit there, and then, yeah, a cookie, uh, a, a cookie, <laughs> a turkey, <laughs> a turkey will cook at three minutes per pound. So we had a 14-pound turkey for Thanksgiving, and it took 38 minutes, 39 minutes, something like that. So it was uh, it was awesome. It was so good. And it comes out so moist, and the skin is so crispy, and it's just deliciousness. Wow, that's so that's frightening to me because how quickly you're cooking that turkey yeah. is sort of an answer to what's going to happen when that boiling water drops on you. Okay. <laughs> so you've now got this 300, 400 degree oil and you drop it on yourself. Yes, you're going to get a burn from that um, very quickly because that's the thing about cooking in oil is it transfers heat very effectively. So it's going to transfer it to you. The oil doesn't care if you're a turkey or a human. It's going to cook you. <laughs> you're going to get cooked. <laughs> it's its main objective. So, <laughs> exactly. So if you splash that oil on you, what you're going to want to try and do is cool it off as quick as you can because you get an instantaneous burn you can't do anything about, but then it'll keep burning if you don't get the hot thing off. So you run it underwater or put it in water for a few minutes until uh, that thing is cooled down. And then you're going to look at it and you're going to say, it's just a little tiny burn. It's fine. And you can put some aloe vera or some antibiotic ointment on it and just watch it. And you should watch them for a few days because they can get infected and turn red and stuff. If it's huge, you're probably in a lot of pain and you're going to go to the emergency department. Mm. Or if it's really deep. And sometimes it's hard to tell how deep it is initially. So if it's anything more than just something that you're very comfortable with that's small, then yes, go have somebody take a look at it. And particularly if you splash it on your face or on your hands or your feet, um, and, and the other one, of course, is your genitals. These are oh. the, all the, the reasons to go to a bird setter. Right. Um, so <laughs> if for some reason you were putting the turkey into the boiling oil naked, naked. and you got it on your genitals, that might be another reason to go. Right. To the 
But cool it down, put some ointment on it, watch it over a few days. And uh, as long as it's just sort of a superficial burn, it will heal over time and it'll be okay. But what you said, and I really want to make that point, is that um, dry heat will cook a turkey over hours and hours and hours. But boiling oil transfers that heat much quicker. So your potential to get burned very badly, very quickly is much higher with a liquid than it is with just sort of through the air, just because of the ability of liquids to conduct heat much better than the air can. That's why it was the preferred choice for, in medieval times, dropping off castles onto people, right? Exactly. Yeah, blowing hot air at people trying to kill you with their arrows doesn't slow them down so much. Uh, hot oh, and air. the thing I should they're say they're all blowing. <laughs> go, go back, you barbarians. <laughs> uh, the other thing I should say is I assume that this thing is so big you can't do it in your house, so you're using like a propane yes. tank kind of grill thing. Yeah, you got to do it outside. It is a good reminder at this time of the year, although uh, we are completely serious about this. Don't bring your grill inside. People do that. It's really cold. It's Cleveland. And they bring the grill inside, the propane tank inside to do the cooking. They don't realize that one of the byproducts of burning propane is carbon monoxide. And it's mm. you don't know that it's there. You can't smell it. And it doesn't uh, produce like a fog or anything. And you can get really sick and die. So it happens every year. So don't bring propane tanks into closed spaces and cook with them. And the other yeah. public service announcement for this episode is just get a carbon monoxide detector. Just have and then one. and then cook with your barbecue in the house. Yeah, yeah. and then just yeah, and go then for you're it. Then you good to go. Because <laughs> at least something no, will don't. let me know. <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah, probably wouldn't be a good idea. Just make oh. sure you always cook with the canaries around or something like that. Yes, I don't know. isn't that what Room they full use? of canaries? Yeah, in the coal mines. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Okay, and then finally, before we get into, um, I have a fun thing for you guys after this question. But let's, uh, yeah, last question. Can you really shoot your eye out? Like if you get shot with a BB, will your eye pop out of your face? <laughs> this is a Christmas story again, isn't it? I know. I, there's a lot of Christmas story inspired things. except You for the can tell fryer. by how Christmassy the question is. That I know, this yeah. is from a Christmas yeah. movie. So will um, it pop out of your eye or will it will it explode or what will happen if it gets punctured? So in the movie A Christmas Story, little Ralphie wants a Red Ryder BB gun yeah. and apparently everyone in Cleveland in the 80s knows that if you get a BB gun, you will shoot your eye out. It is like common knowledge everyone tells him like no, you cannot have this. Wait, it wasn't it wasn't filmed in the it was might have been filmed in the 80s, but it took place in like You're the right. 50s. It took place in the 50s. So everyone in the 50s knew that. So the injury that I would think of if someone is shooting their eye out, they're either getting, you know, like a high velocity projectile flying into their right. eye, in which yeah. case they're, the worst thing that would happen, which would be actually likely to happen, is a ruptured globe, which is just like it sounds. So your globe is your eye and it's ruptured. And that can be a very, very bad injury. Potentially, you may even lose your eye. But hopefully that can be spared with, you know, emergent eye surgery. Wait, just so, so we're clear, you're saying rupture. So what, rupture. what's going through my head so, right now is like a little volcano, like like it's sort of <laughs> bubbling. It's sort of blah, 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 glugging out, right? Uh, or is it rupturing like, like a, Pompeii, like Mount Vesuvius shooting out of your eye? <laughs> you have such a colorful imagination. Um <laughs> It's more like I need visuals here. It's more like if you have like a Cadbury egg and you and you just sort of 
tap it and crack it and like the, mm. the little caramely goo maybe oozes out a little bit. It's not losing its whole shape and just deflating unless there's massive Psst. trauma to the face. But yeah, like that, just sort of loses a little bit of pressure. And some of that gel, that liquidy gel that's inside the eye, there's the aqueous and the vitreous and it can sort of leak out, but it won't like completely deform the eye unless there's major trauma. Hmm. But the other thing that could happen, mm -hmm. if you shoot a gun and you have recoil, so the gun like kind of fires back and pops you in the eye, that'd be more like a blunt trauma to your eye. Okay. Oh my God, I shot my eye out. And I would think that would be more likely to just sort of scratch the surface of your eye. You can get other eye injuries. There's plenty of eye injuries that you can get, but the common one that we see when someone has something directly hit the surface of their eye but not penetrate through it and go through their eye is a corneal abrasion. So the cornea is that clear covering over the front of the eye and an abrasion's a scratch. And so, you know, that's really painful and we give you medications and antibiotics and things because it can get infected. Does that answer your question, Dave? I think so, yeah, yeah. It just you're, sort you're more of, worried about the dangling... Yeah, a, like the dangling eyeball or like it pops out and you have to chase it across the floor, you know, because it's like rolling away from you. Like that's Do you that's watch what a I lot of cartoons? About. Yeah, I think yeah, your yeah, questions yeah. come from cartoons. <laughs> if you Our get hit in the head... Real hard enough will your oh. eyes pop out yeah half of dave's questions are just based on looney tunes I think. yeah pretty much i'm gonna sleep all through christmas that way i won't hurt my eyes looking at all them ugly decorations <laughs> okay and now we come to the piece de resistance of this okay. holiday show what does tiny tim have what does that what is that kid plagued with children we must wait for tiny tim coming father i'm coming so i have sent you the facts that i have pulled from the novel and i hope you're prepared enough to answer these perplexing questions that people pour over the internet trying to find an answer to um so i'll read out some of the facts right now just so everyone can know what what i got from the book okay. um we do know that and this is from the book not the movies this is what exactly what we know from the books. Uh, we know that Tiny Tim used one crutch and he had metal braces on his legs. It says that. Uh, we know that he was small for his age because Scrooge refers to him as um, like a tiny. goose being, it, well, yeah, tiny and also a <laughs> goose being large or a turkey being larger than him. So he's got some issues growing. He seemed to have no cognitive delay. Um, he was pretty insightful. He's very wise. He says very wise things. He always seems to need assistance getting around. He's either on his father's shoulder or his brother and sisters are moving him from one place to another, helping him into a chair. Uh, we know that from the ghost of Christmas present and what he shows Scrooge, that Tiny Tim will probably die in about a year if he doesn't get help because the crutch that's left by itself isn't doesn't change in size. So we know Tiny Tim doesn't change in size. So either he's not growing or he dies pretty soon. We have no evidence that he was born that way. It doesn't say anywhere that he was born the way um, with his disability. Uh, we also know that whatever Scrooge does, Scrooge's intervention, it saves him. It saves Tiny Tim, whatever he's, whatever he's going to do. So either give them more money or a better meal, anything like that. So with those pieces of information, those little nuggets of truth, we know 
What do you think? Wow, I don't think I took this serious enough. Okay, uh, Jess, go. Okay, so I started with the internet also, just to look up and see what were the theories that existed. The most popular one, I'd say, is the rickets plus tuberculosis theory. Oh, yeah, that's a big one, yeah. Which is pretty good. Rickets is a disease of vitamin D deficiency. And in childhood, it can cause sort of a bowing of the legs Mm. because the bone gets weak. You can't form bone properly. And it was common in England at the time. 60% of the children in England had it. Now, Mm. here's the thing. The Cratchits have six kids. Six. Why would only one of them have rickets? Yeah, why wouldn't they all have vitamin D deficiencies? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Wait, so, and what about tuberculosis? Isn't that like super highly contagious? Yeah. Super so why aren't they all like just coughing common. up a storm exactly. at Christmas? Okay, so I'm throwing out rickets and tuberculosis right now. Like, okay. I, it doesn't make sense to me. So those are gone. Another common one on the internet is renal tubular acidosis. Uh-huh. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Everyone knows renal tubular acidosis. It's a genetic problem. It's also pretty rare. And this can cause poor growth. And it can also predispose you to rickets. So they sort of go together. And it's a pretty good theory. The only thing I don't like about it is it doesn't really fit with the concept that Scrooge intervenes. And because of some intervention, Tiny Tim gets better. I don't know that anything Scrooge could do could save him from renal tubular acidosis. Because... Scrooge is either giving them money to afford, you know, better food, better living environment or medical care. And medical care at the time was pretty much just poison. There was something called calomel, which is basically just mercury. So that's not yeah, helpful. That's yeah. That's the other thing I think back in then, like everyone was just drinking mercury and heroin. And heroin, morphine and mercury and cocaine. So I don't think anything a doctor was doing would have actually helped Tiny Tim. It probably just would have made him worse. So I like that, but I'm going to I'm going to toss that one aside for the moment. Okay, polio is another popular one. And for the same reasons, I don't think it's polio. All right. So what's my diagnosis for Tiny Tim? This is a drum roll. This is a weird drum roll, please. Osteopetrosis. What? I'm yeah. a doctor. Uh-huh. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Are you I'll, saying that wrong? You, nope. It's not osteoporosis. It's osteopetrosis, also known as marble bone disease. It's rare. No, actually, uh, this- I'm pretty sure that it is actually a spell from Harry Potter. <laughs> osteopetrosis. Yeah, this sounds like something from Dungeons and Dragons, like marble bone spell cast. You got me. I made it up. Uh, no, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. It's rare. It's about one in every 300,000. And um, it's a problem with how your bones are formed and reformed. You've got these little cells called osteoclasts, and they break down bone because bone is constantly being formed and broken down and reformed in your body. So if the cells that break down bone aren't working so good, you're going to get this thick, brittle bone. And if you have this as a child, which he would, you'd be small for age and you'd have problems with walking and you'd need some help. You'd also be at increased risk for other problems like anemia or infection, things that require your bone marrow to be working. And if your bone marrow is all crowded in by thick, brittle bone, it can't work well, you'd be at risk for infections. And that's probably how Tiny Tim dies within a year without having better diet and access to more vitamin D which can actually make the situation a little bit better. Um, You know, he would probably not 
get better if he didn't have that he'd probably continue to get worse and get sick and die so that is my theory of course today we treat it with bone marrow transplants and immunotherapies but at the time just vitamin d which you can get from diet and sunlight would have possibly made him a little bit better i think better enough that tiny tim probably wouldn't have succumbed to his illness now how do you account for the feeble voice i probably sore throat that day (laughs) oh you cop out (laughs) All right, Mel, you're up. What do you, what does Tiny Tim have? This is a little hard for me to ex- to sort of um, explain. Well, it's not hard to explain. It's hard to admit um, what Tiny Tim has. But I want you to stick with me on this one. Got it. I am Tiny Tim. Oh. And let me go through this. I want to explain okay. why why this is true. First of all, small for age. I'm five eight, and uh, that is under the fortieth percentile for height for. Uh, Males in the United States. So that's one thing. Um, I don't have cognitive delay as far as I know. I'm pretty <laughs> smart. I'm not a genius. Pretty, you seem pretty with it. But I'm not, uh, I'm not too delayed there. I have really bad plantar fasciitis and I limp and I often have to use a crutch in the last few months. So uh, there's that. He's generally feeble and so <laughs> am I. I think this. he was probably balding. Um <laughs> It didn't say he wasn't. (laughs) Didn't say he wasn't balding. Yeah. It just seems like it's me. I'm that, I am Tiny Tim. I'm small, feeble, crutch having, and uh, it's got to be me. Herbert syndrome. Uh, And I would, I would generally describe you as smaller than a turkey. So. Yeah. There you go. So Jess went to all of that effort to find out what he might have. And I just came up with something stupid and. and (laughs) It was Mel. It's me. And Mel's you're also, what, 180-something years old now? Congratulations. Yeah, well, that's the interesting part is that uh, Tiny Tim never died. Uh, he just <laughs> lived forever. Yeah, it doesn't say he did. He lived forever. He lived forever in his poor, feeble, balding <laughs> little body. And uh, it was torture. But you know what? I'm here. I've seen a lot of stuff change in the last few hundred years. Yeah, it's not all bad. You don't look a day over 173. Both very well thought out theories. I think they should both be added to Wikipedia. So if someone wants to My get on that. Is done. Well, I think this is cleanly the battle has been won by Mel Herbert. I agree. I'm sorry, Jess. I'm sorry. I had no chance. So it's osteopetrosis, whatever. <laughs> and now I'm going to make a t-shirt with two thumbs pointed at me and like Tiny Tim. <laughs> be safe out there. Remember... Don't step on glass, (laughs) safely fry your turkeys, and piss on your friend's face. Drop the mic. We're done here. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're running out of time, but really excited about what we're doing on this one, Hood a Bit, and we really thank you for listening. You know, next year, we've got a whole bunch of new episodes coming on extremes, extreme heat, extreme cold. We're going to be talking about Garfield and the bullet. Yeah, that's right. President Garfield got shot and uh, he was killed by his doctors. It's bad. Radiation and one of the biggest radiation disasters in the United States. And you'll never guess where it occurred. We're going to be talking about uh, botulism toxin and uh, movies gone wrong. Just a whole bunch of movies and why the medicine is incorrect. There is so much to tell you. We're excited. We hope everyone has a great holiday. Happy holidays. Make sure you stay safe out there. And we will see you in the new year. We're excited. And check us out at won'thurtabit.com. And you can message us there. Send us your feedback, questions, and ideas. And we would love to hear from you. So happy holidays, everyone. Thanks to Jess Mason, Dave Mason, my name's Mel Herbert. This Won't Hurt a Bit is a production of Foolie Boo Incorporated, produced by CeCe Herbert and Bill Connor. 
The information you hear on this one hood a bit should not be taken as actual medical advice. If you have actual medical questions about actual medical things, you should see an actual medical practitioner. Even though we are actually doctors, we're not your actual doctor. So be sensible and keep it real. And this, oh this. 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 This.